Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Roxon, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking with Fraser Allen, the publisher of Hot Rum Cow Magazine. This is a bit of an unusual episode for a couple of reasons. First of all, we tend to spend a lot of time on Stack thinking about new magazines and exciting launches, but Fraser has just announced that this will be the last issue of Hot Rum Cow. For obvious reasons, people often don't like to talk about the end of things, but Fraser spends a lot of time in this conversation going into a lot of detail on exactly why they decided to stop making the magazine now. This is also an unusual one because Hot Rum Cow is an independent magazine that was set up with some very clear commercial objectives in mind. It's much more common in independent publishing that the idea comes first and then a business model follows after, if at all. But as Fraser explains, Hot Rum Cow was always intended to serve a very specific function for his customer publishing agency. That said, there's no doubting the passion that he and his team have poured into creating their own independent booze magazine. And I really appreciate him coming and sharing his thoughts on both the independent and mainstream publishing worlds and sharing some of the things that he's learned along the way. I think it's fair to say that these podcasts tend to split between being quite general interest and more geeky, and I'd say this one definitely falls into the latter camp. If you are already a fan of Hot Run Cow, or if you're making your own independent magazine, you should find plenty of interesting stuff here. So I hope that you'll enjoy this conversation with Fraser Allen from Hot Run Cow. So I'm here with Fraser Allen, the publisher of Hot Rum Cow and chief executive of White Light Media. Welcome, Fraser. Hello. Great to be here. Thanks for coming down the road. Not at all. You, you obviously came just for the... Absolutely. All the way from Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've listened to the podcast many times, so it's, it's very exciting to be at the other end. <laughs> well, I hope it's not too disappointing an experience in that case. Um, so you... Um, you started making um, this magazine, Hot Rum Cow, uh, in 2012. Yep. Give us a, a bit of background on what is White Light Media and why did you start making this magazine? Sure, okay. Um, well, I guess one thing I've noticed to kind of start the other way around a bit is a lot of indie magazine publishers these days, uh, it's very difficult to make money magazine publishing, so quite a few are launching their own agency operations saying we can add a bit of this magic that we produce in the magazine for your marketing projects. Well, we came about it the other way around. So um, White Light Media is a content marketing agency. We've been going since 2001. Um, And incidentally, the White Light was named after the Velvet Underground song White Light, White Heat, because we wanted to be really edgy and dangerous. (laughs) Um, But being in Edinburgh, it's kind of difficult to be that edgy. So some of our first clients were people like the Cooperative Funeral Services, Scottish Widows, NHS. So we realised that we weren't really going to be very sex, drugs and rock and roll at all. So basically, we got very much into working for um, financial services, brands, public sector, etc. It was all good. We had a great time. Then the global banking crisis comes along. Terrible sectors to be working. Lost a lot of work overnight. Uh, Suddenly, running an agency became very difficult. And I, at that time, befriended um, people that will be known to the stat community, I'm sure, Vince Medeiros and uh, Danny Miller, uh, who at that point were the publishers of 
Little White Lies and Huck, um, became friendly, and they had started those magazines, then developed a very successful agency called the Church of London. Um, and I was having a chat with Danny, and I was going on about how I loved magazines when I was a kid, and had this great passion for them. And he just looked at me and said, if you love magazines so much, why don't you publish your own one? You know, you're publishing them for clients. And so this was a kind of light bulb moment. Um, I was very disenchanted with the procurement process that we would have to go to, through to win public sector work. So overnight, we decided as a business, we were going to stop pursuing public sector work and launch our own indie mag to show just how creative we could be because we, we felt our portfolio at that time was very, you know, it was banking newsletters, it was NHS brochures, and it was holding us back as an agency. So we wanted to do something that would be really good fun, prove we could create something good, uh, and help market the business to, to an extent. And we actually said we want to create the best booze magazine in the world. That was our, our kind of objective. Okay, so how do you end up with booze? What makes you want to talk about that to everyone? Well, we, we, had, we spent a lot of time as a team talking about ideas. Everyone brought ideas to the table, and there were all kinds of weird suggestions. There was a mag- somebody suggested doing a magazine about haircuts called Hair Affair. Sorry that I've let that one out of the bag. Um, <laughs> we've still got the, the IP on that. Um, but just booze felt like a really good place to go, if you excuse the pun. There were some really lovely food magazines out at that point already, quite a few. But on the drinks front, there was very little. There was things, the, the magazines that were out there tended to be quite, um, you know, stuffy. Things, things like Decanter, which have a good audience and well-established, but there was nothing really for a younger audience of people who wouldn't count themselves as connoisseurs, but are just curious about drinks, want to try, try new things. And, of course, the whole drinks industry at that time was changing, so there was a big interest in craft beers, in gin, in unusual spirits from around the world, and the whole thing just seemed to make sense. And is there anything in it that you're a bunch of Scots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't... I, I, I grew up in Essex, Steve. Uh, I was born in Scotland. Yeah, we, we have a mixed uh, team there of nationalities, but it's predominantly Scottish. So, yeah, there probably was something in that. Yeah, we, we, all in, we enjoy, you know, having a drink as a team, but not just kind of going in and, and ordering the obvious stuff, but trying trying out new things. That's what we want, wanted to reflect. We've, we've called, always called the magazine Adventures in the World of Drinking, or Adventures in the World of Drinks, and it's all about that sort of trying new things and discovering the stories behind them. And so in July this year, you picked up a big award for the magazine? Yes, we were effectively won the best booze magazine on the planet award from Spirited Awards, which is a big industry event in New Orleans, um, which was great. It would have been even better if we'd actually been there to collect the award. Oh, right, <laughs> it's okay. a long, time, long, long way to, to get there. So we had a, a friend of ours, Georgie Bell, picked it up for us. But yeah, it was quite a, a moment because to p- go back in time, you know, to 2000 and 2010, 2011, when we first started talking about doing this, you know, a small agency in Leith in Edinburgh working for the NHS, to the idea that we could create something that would win a massive award in New Orleans would have been extraordinary. So... It was exciting, yeah. So, so five years in then, you, you've won this award, hmm. and yet you're calling time on Hot Rum Cow. Yes. We've decided to stroll through the Hot Rum Cow saloon bar for the last time, down our tequilas. Well, you know, we've, we've set out what we achieved to do. We've created the best magazine in the world. Now, some people, some people thought when we launched the magazine, we were nuts. Why launch a magazine... You know, it's supposedly a sunset industry. Why do that in the first place? 
and some people will very understandably be scratching their heads now saying, you know, if it's such a great magazine, why, why are you closing it? The, the reason is it's all about context and where, where you come from as the publisher. We are not uh, an indie magazine publisher. We might, ha we might produce an indie magazine, <clears throat> but we're a content marketing agency. We launched this to uh, change perceptions about what we are capable of doing, uh, to get people excited about us. And we've done that, you know, we've, 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 it's changed the business hugely in terms of the sort of work we do and, the, and the, the profile that we have. And so each issue that we produce is merely showing that we can do it over and over again. We've done umpteen issues, but it does, um, you know, it drains a lot of time and energy. You can see the love and care that goes into every 100 pages of each issue. Uh, and as a business, we want to put that into our, our prime focus, which is content marketing. And I mean, making something like this just is incredibly time consuming. Yes. There, there's no, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's no way around it because if you start to try to save a bit of time, mm. it shows on the page straight yes. away. Exactly, yeah. And so, how much can you tell us then about what you're going on to do next? Well, I don't want to give too much away except to say that we are very excited. Um, this reminds me of Stephen Gregor and, and, and the gym class conversation he had a while back. I, I don't know what he's doing yet, but I'd love to know. Oh, that's imminent. That's oh, is it? Oh, is yeah, it really? Yeah, right, yeah. Well, uh, I look forward to hearing about that. Yeah, we, we, we've, we've come up with, um, I kind of threw a bit of a challenge to, to the team, set up a little project team, and said we want to do something that is really relevant to us as a business and what we want to achieve, but it's really exciting, it's really creative, it works across print and digital, and so we're going to be launching something in, in the new year. Um, and they <coughs> they presented to me last week, and I was I was really really chuffed. The same creative genius that went into Hot Rum Cow is going to emerge in something else in, in 2018. And so, what are you taking from Hot Rum Cow into this next thing? Because, for example, I know that selling on the newsstand has been mm. a, a big learning curve. Yes. For you. Oh yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not something we've thrown a huge amount of effort into. The same with subs because it doesn't make any sense for us to, to spend a huge amount of time on that when we, we, our comfort zone is pitching to clients and trying to win work that way. What have we learned from it? I mean, what we will be doing in the new year is not going to be on the newsstands, that's for sure. I mean, that's just hellish. <coughs> trying to sell magazines through big distributors and waiting for some money to come back months down the line, it's very hard. What we've learned from it and what we've... And why, why do you think that is? Why do you think... Because this is something that we mm, hear mm. over and over and over again. Yeah. People who are making independent magazines mm. just have a hellish time yeah. actually getting them in front of readers. Yes. Yeah. What, like, what's your take on that? Why is that? It's, it's really frustrating. You get some of the smaller distributors who... I mean, I, for instance, we, I have a lot of respect for MMS and... Select, who we started working with recently, it's the big guys, you know, it's, it's W.A. Smith, it's, it's Menzies. It's almost as if they don't want, they don't care about the future of the magazine industry, which is insane because, okay, W.A. Smith probably make more money from confectionery than magazines. I don't know, maybe that's not the case, but you would have thought they want to see a thriving magazine sector that gets people coming in through the doors and, and sells products. But everything they do seems to be designed to put you off. You know, the, the processes, like with, with, with Menzies, for example, it's just really complicated to understand how you get the magazines to them and how you get money back. Um, the fact you have to pay WH Smith to get the magazines in, in the shop in the first place. I mean, what other... There aren't many industries where you have to do that. And this whole idea that you just give them all your products 
and just at some point they'll say, oh yeah, we sold, you know, 20, that's all, and we haven't got the others. <laughs> it's just, it's nuts. And it all has to be taken on trust. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. And so, along the way, you clearly had, so you, you've had, let's say you've had some hard times with it, in, mm. in terms of the, like say, the distribution and, and trying to get yeah. that but you had some really good stuff as well. Yes, so what, yeah, what yeah. were the things that along that five years kept you going and, and kept yeah, you yeah, making yeah, this yeah, magazine? Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean the, the good thing for us, because we're, it's not our, we're not reliant on profit from, from Hot Rum Cow, it's more the frustrations with the distributors. And I look at other people just publishing magazines and think, how do you do that, you know? Whereas for us, we, we could fall back on our other work. The excitement well, is... Well, I think that's the case for most, to be honest. I, yeah. I think that, you know, when you look at someone who is making yes. their magazine, chances are they might be doing freelance for somebody else mm-hmm. or, you know, there, there's another source of income coming through. Right. And, yeah. But of course, that's a problem because then, you know, what would happen if that person actually had 100% of their time yes. to focus on this thing? Yeah. So there's a, the, the, I know you have a bit of a, 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 an issue with the, the squandered potential mm, there, mm, in mm. independent magazines. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because we kind of sit, we, we're neither fully in the independent indie magazine world in as far as that being our main business. And we're not a big magazine publisher either, despite being a member of the, the PPA. I just think there's, a, there's two worlds. There's the big mainstream publishers, there's the indie magazine publishers. And it's, I just think there's an opportunity to collaborate there and help each other out, which just doesn't seem to happen. Um, in the indie world, you are getting huge amounts of innovation and creativity, exciting ideas, but you know a lack of um, well, a lack of resources, clearly a lack of sometimes commercial kind of acumen because you can't do everything. You can't be a brilliant magazine maker and a super marketer and a salesman. In the in the magazine world, you've got you've got some really exciting things going on, but you've got a lot of magazines that are kind of published by numbers these days and you can tell there's there's no passion in them there's no excitement it's just kind of winding it down until finally it sells so few that they're going to close it down uh, and but the, the magazine the main magazine world seem a bit sniffy about the independence the independence some of the independents seem a bit sniffy about the oh absolutely the, you know yeah, this is oh my god they make money you know that's terrible um and i just would love to see a bit of collaboration there and you mentioned so the your uh, white light your members of the PPA. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. the uh, press and periodicals. It's the, the professional publishers association. Professional, okay. Yeah. Right, the professional publishers, and the, a couple of years ago at their big annual event, they yeah. had. So we, we went in with them and mm. we did a big independent magazines. Yes, which room. is great. Yeah. Um, and then for this year's, the the focus moved away again, more towards the mainstream. Right. I, I, yeah. You know it's. Because uh, I agree, I think it would be lovely if mm-hmm. we could get more collaboration going between these yes, types of yeah. magazines. Absolutely. I mean, I, d- I did um, uh, also investigate the possibility of setting up a, a group within PPA for independent magazine publishers to join. Like, there is an independent magazine publishing part of it, but that's for bigger publishers, if you know what I mean. Um, but I, actually, there wasn't much appetite amongst the indie publishers to join, even yeah. at quite a low rate. So, yeah, it's... Maybe I'm wrong, maybe, um, but it's just from my position, I just would love to see a few projects where people come together and, and help each other out. Yeah, yeah. And so you've come this far with Hot Rum Cow, five mm. years in. Is there an appetite from your side 
if there was if somebody else were to come along mm. and it might be one of the big publishers or it might yeah. be a, an, an indie publisher who's had yes. some success with their title would there be any appetite from your side to keep on making hot rum cow but just not doing the publisher bit so not doing the yeah. you know reaching out to shops and trying to promote subscriptions and basically yeah. if you get to the fun bit absolutely we would <laughs> love i mean who, who wouldn't we would love that we have spoken we We've, we've spoken to a couple of uh, publishers on, on the QT so far, and when this this is, is published, we'll be making a, a bigger announcement. Yeah, we'd love to do that, and it's actually, it, it may well also appeal to brands, you know. <coughs> Hot Run Care is very fondly thought of in the drinks industry, so the, there may be a, a brand out there that, that can see a, a marketing uh, purpose for it. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like we're sick of it and we don't want to do it anymore. It's really good fun. Um, but you know you have a finite number of resources and, uh, and energy and time as an agency, and you have to kind of use it to best effect. And I think also you know that you you need to keep feeling like this thing is taking you somewhere or doing something for you. And yeah. if it's not making money for you, well, mm, fine. Mm. But then it has to be doing something else. Yes. And, and the, you know, exactly. I, I think that actually the worst thing is when magazines go beyond that point. And then actually the passion sort of fades mm, away a little mm. bit and it, it becomes a bit more of a chore that yes. you've got to get this thing out. Yeah, that's, that's a very, really good point. And the passion is still there at the moment. I would hate it if we were just churning out something and, oh, God, that's okay, just send it out, that'll do. And so, because also uh, as a result of making Hot Run Cow, you got involved with World Whiskey Day. Mm, mm. So I guess this is, is that something you're going to carry on with beyond the magazine? Yes, yeah, it is. I mean, bear in mind, we're a small agency. We've already got Hot Rum Cow. I bought another business called World Whiskey Day, which very, very quickly is a student, very bright student called Blair Bowman, when he was 19, realised there was a day for just about everything in the world, but not whiskey. So he, he chose a date and said to the world, this is World Whiskey Day. On this day, drink loads of whiskey and put your pics <laughs> and your videos on, I mean, I mean you're stereotyping <laughs> the Scots again. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yes. Um, but it, it, indeed, he's a Scottish um, missionary for whiskey. Um, but it took off, so hundreds of thousands of people around the world got involved in this. Um, he took it, it, it grew so big that he couldn't manage it anymore. So we've taken it over, Blair's still involved. And it's just got, it's got massive potential. And so from a purely sensible you know, business point of view, if we're going to spend time on Hot Rum Cow World Whiskey Day, it's a bit of a bit of a no-brainer, and we still get free booze sent to the office with World Whiskey Day. So <laughs> that's the important thing, obviously. <laughs> and so, of course, one of the uh, big claims for a lot of independent magazines is we are ad-free, so we do not have advertising in here. But you actually managed to make a, a bit of a success with that. Yes. Yeah, that that kind of puzzles me that ad-free thing because I don't personally feel there's anything wrong about advertising at all I think it's if you can make your magazine sustainable something you can carry on producing in the long term and advertising is part of that that's that's brilliant so in terms of the profit loss of hot rum cow we didn't really make um, much of a, a financial loss at all in terms of actual paper money going out the, the big thing was time for us you know we spent a lot of time on it which obviously does have a monetary value but in terms of advertising we worked with a freelance salesperson who was in the late, in the last sort of five or six issues, was selling up to twenty grand's worth of advertising per issue, which he would take half and we would we would keep half. Now that's pretty amazing for a small niche publication, and it just just makes me think that depending on your magazine as a as, a, as an indie publisher, 
if you're in the right area like booze, there will be people who are prepared to put some serious money into advertising in that, that environment. Um, it just goes to show how important niche is. Yes. The, yeah. You know, if you, you don't have to be the biggest if you can convince an advertiser that you're exactly the right place exactly, for their ads. Yeah. yeah, so whether it's fashion, interior design maybe, it's, it's having somebody who's got, because we, 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 we've used various people in the past to unlock this sales potential that hadn't really worked, it's having the right person to do it and then find, finding those people, those hidden people who actually see it and think, I love this magazine. We know it's not going out to hundreds of thousands of people, but it actually is a really good environment for us to put our, our products. And the, did any of those conversations then with advertisers turn into other work? Because of course that's famously the, the, the thing that happens. You'd, you start putting an ad in a mag and then you say, well actually we could do more than this. Well, funnily enough, I mean, that, this was one of the whole points of launching Hot Run Care was to generate work for the agency side of things. And, we, and it did, which is one of the great successes of it. Um, but the odd thing about it is that most of the work we won wasn't actually um, from drinks brands. Um, we've done a lot of work with the London Wine Fair, which was directly through Hot Rum Cow. But we've picked up work with banks, with a big, a big uh, fashion retail chain, a, a global one. The, one of the directors saw Hot Rum Cow in a shop in Soho, rang us up and said, I love your magazine. Would you work for us? I mean, that's a, that is dream work as an agency. Um, what we found, actually, with the drinks thing, there's a bit of confusion, I think. A lot of drinks brands just thought we were a drinks magazine publisher. They didn't necessarily get we were an agency as well. Um, whereas if we went into a bank and said, hey, we publish this, they'd get all excited because booze magazines aren't something that are frequently circulated amongst bank boardrooms. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I do think, this is, and this is what I was talking about in terms of collaboration between mainstream publishers and indie publishers, that there are some quite creative ways that smaller publishers can potentially monetize what they're doing by a bit of lateral thinking. And um, it's a shame that there's not more of that collaboration going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I fully agree. Thank you very much for coming down and uh, looking forward to seeing what comes next. Thanks, Steve. Okay, that's it for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Fraser for being so open and sharing his experiences, especially around distribution and the gulf that exists between mainstream and independent publishers. The indie magazine world is definitely a very exciting place to be, but it does also have these enduring problems and it would be brilliant to see somebody having a go at trying to improve some of those. Remember that if you would like to hear more conversations with magazine makers, you can find all of our previous episodes by searching for Stack Magazines on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you follow us while you're there, we'll deliver the next one as soon as it's ready. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back again with another episode next week.